So good morning. Um, and to the, those of you who are joining us online, good morning as well. Uh, as Tony said, usually this, about this time, second or third week of February every year, we, we give a, a day to talk about house churches. Um, I am going to do that, but I also want to um, share something that God laid on my heart. It's been stirring around for a couple years, and then last year, after House Church Sunday, I would have talked about um, <clears throat> about how we leave a how we leave a legacy, you know, in everything and everything we do. And part of that was talking about the the cookies and the cookie crumbs that we leave when we visit websites. And so this thing that's been stirring in me is about, you know, how do we as Christians um, responsibly use technology? Um, now, I know this is a, you know, this is a personal application kind of topic, so, um, <clears throat> but just bear with me. And then towards the end, I'll, I'll, I'm going to tie it back to the house churches. Um, but I want to start out with a really bold statement. Did you know that the Bible has been around since way before the invention of the internet, or cell phones, or smartphones, Twitter, Facebook. I know that's shocking, you know, my brilliance showing up here. Um, you know, hopefully nobody's surprised by this. But consequently, you know, we have, we have tools available to us um, for, you know, for, for searching scripture and searching the word and things like concordances, but, you know, if you search a concordance for technology, for internet, or smartphone, you're going to get nothing, okay? And as much as we would like it to, the Bible doesn't really, does not, ex does not explicitly address how to use or when to avoid the use of technology. However, it does address the behavior of us as Christians in everyday life and the, our moral behavior and how we use technology is part of that. Now, we can talk about technology, you know, and there's a lot of different ways technology gets defined. Um, you know, Webster's Dictionary has three definitions for it and... I'm not going to go into those, but, you know, but think about, you know, technology largely as a tool, as, a, as an applied tool. Um, you know, think about the technology that we've seen throughout history of Noah's Ark. That was a wonder of technology for that, for that day, you know, and shortly followed by the Tower of Babel, which was... Uh, not so good use of technology of the day. And then the Roman roads that were developed. You know, Rome put in 250,000 miles of roads, which is just astonishing to me with the technology that they had, or in our case, we look back and say the technology they didn't have. Um, and then Gutenberg with the printing press in the 1400s, 
you know, revolutionized, being able to print Bibles. And, you know, with a lot of these technologies like the roads and the, and the printing press, Christianity took advantage of those technologies right away. They were some of the leading um, benefactors of, of those things, of that technology. But for today's, for today's discussion here, I, I want to focus on, you know, the things that we all know and love, you know, our, our, our cell phones, our, our tablets, our Apple watches, you know, our things like our TVs and, you know, Game Boys and, you know, all those kind of things. Sorry, that's probably old. Um, you know, but as I mentioned a minute ago, you know, Scripture doesn't really, well, it doesn't make any blanket statements on, you know, whether specific technologies are, are inherently good or bad. But it does hold us as Christians to a morality based on the word um, and a standard for how we should walk day to day through our lives and engage with the world around us. And that includes the technology we use and how we use it. Now the, the thing with technology and with any tool, um, it can be used for good or it can be used for bad. It can be used for evil. It can be used to build up. It can be used to tear down. It can be used to build ourselves up. It can be used to tear ourselves down. It can be used to build others up or tear others down. You know, as we talk about technology in particular, you know, it's a day-by-day and in a lot of cases, a moment-by-moment -moment decision of how you're going to use that technology for good or bad. Um, which will you choose, to build up or to tear down? Now, I'll give you a clue. Go for the building up. You know, in our culture in America, I'd, I'd today I'd venture to say that the use of technology is inescapable. Again, good or bad, it is what it is. Um, you know, look at our current settings. You know, look around this room today. You know, we've got programmable lights, we've got microphones and, and speakers, we've got a digital soundboard, we've got a projector that's run by a computer. Um, my notes are here on my iPad. You know, most of us, I would predict, have a cell phone either in our hand or closely available to us. Um, and I'd say in our current environment today, sitting here right now, we're making good use of technology. Ultimately, you're accountable to God for how we use everything he's given us, including the technology. We've got to be accountable for it someday. Um, and here's probably my, if, if you want a key point to, to this part of my message, is probably, you know, maybe a good measuring stick for how we use technology is to look at it relative to Matthew 22, 37 through 39, and see it through the lens of being a tool that God has given us 
to be used in ways that honor him and help us to love our neighbor. Can you pop up that first scripture, Michelle, please? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Does the technology you're using and how you're using it lend itself to that? Is that what it's about? Is that what we're using it for? Um, you know, technology can be fun. It can be enjoyable. There's, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with the use of technology in and of itself. If we're using it to further God's kingdom, if we're using it to build each other up. Um, you know, Paul talked about in, in 1 Corinthians uh, 10.23, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. You know, Paul acknowledged the freedoms that he had um, and the privileges he had in Christ, but he also admitted that just because he could didn't mean he should. You know, some things, even though he had the freedom to enjoy, they could become harmful if he wasn't careful. Same is true for us today. You know, we talked about a little bit ago that, you know, most of the technology available to us today isn't good or bad in and of itself. Now, we can, you know, we could go off the rabbit trails and, you know, that there are things that were technology that was created for bad and, you know, um, but lay those aside. In general, technology is, you know, and I, as I was working on this word, you know, reading some things that, you know, there's lots of articles about uh, technology being morally neutral. You know, nice word, you know, good words, but to me it's like, well, so is it, what makes it good or bad is what we do with it. You know, technology is a tool. So as an example, you know, what what Paul was talking about. You know, if you find that your use of technology and social media is taking up most of your free time, then maybe you need to examine how much TV you're watching, how much you tweet or post or snap or, you know, Amen. whatever, whatever, you know, WhatsApp or whatever your, you know, your tool of choice is. Because 1 John 2.15 says, Don't love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. So my point here is pretty simple. Am I spending most of my time to reach the lost, to encourage others, to learn more about God and building my relationship with him? Am I spending my time loving my neighbor, learning how to love my neighbor? Um, or am I spending it, and we're talking about, you know, 
free time and most of my time. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do these things, but if they're overriding your time with God, then you need to examine it. You know, things like watching TV, you know, thinking about, well, how can I respond to this tweet? Uh, Looking at updates, taking selfies, playing games, obsessing over gadgets. How we spend our time is an indication of, of, how, of what you love. And I'm not to love anyone or anything more than I love God. So I need to be spending my time figuring out how to do that. Um, you know, the last few years have, I'll, I'll even say radically changed the way we interact with others. Um, and technology's played a huge part in that. You know, it has shown us that we don't have to be in person for life to go on. You know, a lot of us, uh, well, I'll speak for me. I spent two years working at home. You know, working, everything was done by Teams or Zoom meetings and, you know, email and texting. And um, I didn't see the people I worked with. Uh, and we lost something as part of that, in my, in my opinion. In a, in a technology, I'm an engineer, you know, in a technology-oriented world that, you know, where we build on each other's ideas and things like that, you know, not meeting in person was, was a negative. Um, now, you can determine for yourself if you think that's good or bad. You know, that's a probably a value judgment for each of us to make on our own. You know, is meeting in person or meeting in te- on Teams or, you know, whatever video tool you use or whatever, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Again, um, the technology itself doesn't matter. The point is, have we lost the personal, have we lost the personal touch? <clears throat> you know, now... The flip side of that is that we've expanded our reach. You know, a lot of churches, including ours, because of the pandemic, because of COVID and all that, you know, are now live streaming our services. We live stream some of our meetings. We, uh, you know, people, prayer meetings have, you know, people can Zoom call into and participate. And those are good, those are good things. Um, However, I would also suggest, and this kind of goes back to, you know, my, kind of goes to my other topic here of house churches, that we have lost that personal interaction to some degree. Um, You know, I personally, and this is just Dean's, you know, as a house church leader, it would have drove me crazy to have a house church that all I, that the only way I could do it was by Teams or Zoom, you know, that would have made me nuts. Uh, I think the personal part of part of our house churches um, is that we can we meet in person to have face-to-face interaction. We can lay hands on each other to pray for each other. You know, the it's it's just a much more personal environment. And I think we've lost that in, to some degree with 
you know, these, this expansion of technology. And, you know, again, it's kind of a value judgment that we all have to make. But I think we, we have to look at, you know, have we given people excuses to not meet in person? You know, have we allowed them to, and, I, and if I offend anybody, I'm sorry, but, you know, have we given people an excuse to say, well, it's easier just to stay home and, you know, watch church in my pajamas and, you know, eat my breakfast, you know, um, versus coming in and sharing the fellowship and worship and, you know, there's just a personal element that gets lost. Now, certainly there's reasons, and please don't be offended that, you know, if, if you're sick, if you can't get here, you know, there's certainly reasons for being remote. But Dean, Dean's opinion, you know, just because it's more convenient isn't, isn't a reason. Uh, you know, and I, I think it lines up with what uh, Paul wrote to the Hebrews. In Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, you know, Paul talks to the Hebrews about meeting together and says, let us consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Uh, in another verse in Hebrews, in Hebrews 3.13 talks about but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And again, I think the point is, I think we're made, God created us to, to be in fellowship, in personal fellowship. And I think part of, you know, part of the reasons we have house churches is for that. Um, you know, the last two weeks, Pastor Tony's been talking about the mystery gospel. Uh, one of his points that he made was that the key to understanding and finding those hidden mysteries is combining study with intimacy in Christ. Um, now, the thing that struck me in that, uh, as I was sharing with our, my house church this past week, you know, the thing that struck me about that was both of those things, study and intimacy with Christ, require our active engagement. They require our commitment of time. You know, and those things are a much better pursuit uh, than any of the things we talked about earlier, you know, as it relates to the use of technology, you know, whether Facebook or, you know, WhatsApp or, you know, watching TV. Um, you know, Twitter, you know, you name it. Are we spending our time building our relationship with God? Are we spending our time uh, playing, in, playing in technology? You know, my almost 50 years of walking as a Christian, you know, have taught me that those, these two activities of study and intimacy with Christ require me to make time for it. If I try to just fit it in in a day, 
It ain't happening. It's just not. We have to be intentional. Uh, now, I can see, you know, as we're talking about technology, I can see how technology can help with study. You know, for me, putting this word together, you know, I did a lot of reading online, looking at, you know, searching scripture. It's a lot faster to do with a, you know, word search than it is, um, you know, paging through the Bible. You know, although maybe paging through is probably better for me. Um, Intimacy with Christ, I could probably make the case that, you know, I could use technology uh, in the form of, you know, worship music, finding worship music to listen to, you know. So I'm not saying that those things are exclusive of uh, the study and intimacy with Christ are exclusive of technology, but I think they are more approachable for us as people, personally, than uh, technologically. You know, the scriptures talk about a lot about how we ought to live in this world. And it talks a lot about, uh, Paul and James in particular talk a lot about how we ought to engage as Christians in the public square. You know, in public forums. Um, you know, as most of you are probably aware, one of the most popular uses of technology today is uh, social media. I don't think that comes as a surprise to anybody. You know, technology's made it possible for billions of users uh, around the globe to log in and share experience, you know, on things like Facebook and Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, blogs, blah, 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 blah. You know, there's a whole list of them. Just for information, I did a quick search, a quick Google search on 2022 statistics on social media, for social media. Now, statistics are one of those things you kind of, you know, I've learned over my 30-some years as an engineer, you know, you kind of kind of take with a grain of salt because they're, you know, it's kind of a perspective thing. Uh, and where, what the source is. And, but, so I got this information from one website, so, you know, from a quick Google search. So I don't, you know, I'm not saying these are absolutely valid, true statistics. They're not 100% accurate, but, but the point is the numbers are huge. Listen to these numbers. This has to do with social media. More than half the world... 59% now uses social media. 4.76 billion people use social media every day. That's what they estimate. 137 million new users in the last year have come online. Now, I would guess that that's probably low. My personal guess, but... Uh, the average daily time, and this is the one that scared the fun out of me, the average daily time spent using social media, two, two hours and 31 minutes. Two hours, two and a half hours of our day spent on social media. Now again, maybe it's all good use of social media. Likelihood is probably pretty slim. <laughs> and again, the point is, you know, 
the numbers are not absolutes, but the point is they're huge numbers. And I got to believe they're, you know, in the ballpark. You know, they're off by half a million, you know, so be it. Um, the point is that, you know, there could be tremendous value to these things, and there can be tremendous harm because those numbers are just so huge. Um, how many of you guys can relate to this scenario? I'm going to give you a scenario, and, and I want you to just think about, you know, the alarm goes off and you stretch, you, you let out a yawn as you prepare to face another day, but before your feet hit the floor, you reach over to pick up your cell phone or grab your tablet, you haven't had your coffee yet, your Wheaties are still in the box, however, within a few minutes of being awake, you're already tangled in technology's web. Emails have been checked, missed text messages have been read, tweets have been scanned, Recent likes have been counted, new comments on posted pictures have been examined. I would guess most of us can relate to that uh, to, to some degree. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I, I don't know. Point is, you know, we engage with technology all the time. You know, technology and social media and how we use them have to be viewed through the lens, you know, like everything else in our lives. They're not, they're not exempt from our Christianity, but they are an expression of our Christianity. Whether I'm at work, or I'm online, whether I'm talking with a neighbor, or FaceTiming with a friend, everything we do, always, 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 we should be seeking ways to season our conversations and our actions with the salt of our faith. Do you realize that you are responsible for your online behavior as much as you are for your in-person behavior? There is no distinction between the character of your online presence and your in-person presence. Whether you're in-person or online, our actions and reactions are to reflect Christ and bringing his kingdom here. Um, so why is it that we'll post stuff online that we would never say to somebody in person or express in person? Why do we do that? It's crazy. I'm stunned by it. You know, I look at, and I'm not a big, I'll be honest, I'm not a big social media fan. I'm not a big user of social media. I use social media, I use Facebook once every other week probably to send out a prayer requests to my house church group, you know, via, via a private web page, you know, via a private group in Facebook. That's about the extent of my use of social media. So, um, anyways, <laughs> but but I see this stuff, you know, and hear this stuff, and you know, you read it in the news, and Christians saying stuff that's just crazy that we would not say if somebody was standing here, but they'll say it. 
on, online. Maybe it's the anonymity, maybe it's the depersonalization. Um, think about what you post, just like you think about what you say. Think about what you post. You know, Scripture has at least a few warnings to us about that. Uh, in James 119, 21 through 21, he says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. This human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. In Matthew, Jesus gives us a, a warning about every careless word we speak or post that we're going to be held accountable. Matthew 12, 36, But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word that they have spoken. Um, just be careful. Be purposeful each time you make use of technology. Um, you know, take a moment before you do, whether it's watching TV, listening to music, uh, going, you know, going on Facebook, you know, whatever it is, and know your boundaries, you know, and draw a line in the sand of technology, um, and don't play how close can I get to the line without crossing it? How close can I get? You know, how? Don't do this. Don't straddle the line. Stay away from it. You know, and those lines are likely different for all of us. You know, some some people. You know, social media. I don't have a line for it because I don't need it. I don't go on it. Um, some people, maybe it's, you know, just not picking up the phone when you're in other people's company. You know, when you're sitting at dinner with friends or something, not picking up the phone to answer every text message or every, you know, look at every tweet or Facebook post that, you know, buzzes your phone. Um, you know, <clears throat> whatever line you draw with God... Make sure that you're doing it for his glory. Now Paul says in Corinthians, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Amen. Pretty well sums up the use of technology for me. You know. Um, so let me, I'm going to make a transition here to, to, to house churches because that's kind of what, I'm supposed to be talking about today. Um, but let me try and summarize here my point about technology. That, you know, whatever you look at online, whatever we post personally, however we use technology, make sure that it's all glorifying to God. You know, we've been created to worship God and to glorify Him. Let's make it our aim to do that in everything we do, including our use of technology. Um, you know, I, I talked about how, um, you know, I, I do make use of technology with my house church. You know, I, we, 
we send emails, reminders to the group. Connie sends a Facebook reminder to the group. We, you know, we post our prayer requests, you know, to the group via email. And um, it's technology is great for doing stuff like that because I can communicate to my whole group and you know very quickly. Um, So I'm not saying we shouldn't use technology. Just make sure we're using it appropriately. Um, you know, I'm going to switch gears here and talk about house churches because I want to switch from the technology to the personal. And I think that's the, the, where the, the rub comes for house churches. Is, um, so let me set some terminology here. You know, our, our model for house churches come direct, comes directly out of Ephesians. Um, and it's Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measures of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Uh, Colossians 3, 15 through 17 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You know, we're instructed to love one another, to pray for one another, to encourage one another, bear one another's burdens, build one another up. Um, that phrase, one another, occurs about somewhere a little over 100 times in the New Testament. And 45 of those are in context of our relationships to other believers. And guess what? They're a responsibility and a duty. They are not options. There's nothing in any of those, and I looked them up. There's nothing in any of them that has a qualifier on them that says, if you feel like it. Or when it's convenient. It says, bear one another's burdens. Love one another. Pray for one another. Encourage one another. There's no option. Um, and that's what, that's what our house churches are about. It's a place to do that. You know, we're called to unity. We're called to peace with one another. We're called to be thankful. Um, Three times in the verse in Colossians, 
you know, that we read. It talks about being thankful. Uh, be thankful, giving thanks to God the Father. Sing with gratitude. Get the point? Be thankful. Um, we're called to let the message of Christ dwell among us based on how we teach and admonish one another. We're called to worship, psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. We're called to serve in the name of Jesus. You know, based on Scripture, based on these Scriptures, based on the one we talked about in Hebrews earlier, that from what Paul encouraged the Hebrews to meet together, um, I'm convinced that God wants us to gather together, to build each other up, to edify each other, to get lifted up when we need it. Sometimes, my house church, I get to be the one to lift and up and encourage people. Sometimes, I get to be the one receiving the lifting up and encouragement. You know, and that's the beauty of, of the personal relationships, relationships we build. You know, meeting in a small group over time, uh, we've built a level of trust with each other that you are not likely to get in a meeting like this because there's too many of us. You know, when I'm meeting with 10 or 20, the same 10 or 20 people for, for, you know, every other week for a few years, you build trust. You build, you know, a level of transparency with each other that you, you can't do in, in any other setting. Now, I've, I've been in churches and groups that they say, well, you know, doing the house churches that way, they get too cliquish. They get too inward focused. And yeah, there's some, there's some risk to that. I, I admit that. But I, I think the advantage of groups staying together for, for time outweighs the, that risk. That's just, you know, that's Dean's opinion. That's kind of our, you know, the elder's opinion. You know, some churches say, well, you know, they, they call it a, I forget what they, the term is, something about, you know, upsetting, roll, turning over the fruit basket and mixing it up, you know, every year or every six months to get people to change their house churches, you know, or their home fellowships or their small groups or whatever the church calls them. Um, but I think you lose the advantage of, of building that trust, yes. you know, that you can't do if you do that every six months or a year. Um, you know, we all have different giftings. We have different abilities. We all have different um, callings, you know, in the church. You know, and the house church gives us the opportunity to, to walk those things out, to share what God's put in my life, you know, that I can share with, with my small group. Uh, and build a relationship to help me to grow, help them to grow, to practice my spiritual gifts, you know, in a small setting where maybe I'm not so comfortable in a setting with 130, 140 people in it. But over time, if I practice that, I get more confident. Um, now, I understand being busy. You know, adding a, adding a house church meeting every other week. You know, another meeting. You know, we're all busy. We have families. We have work. 
we have other commitments. I get it, you know. But it's kind of like we talked about earlier with the, you know, making time for study, making time for intimacy with God. We've got to make time for fellowship with other believers. We've got to, again, if you just say, ah, I'll work it out, you're not. You won't. Um, so, my, my request to each of you uh, as we um, talk about house churches is think about, pray about, seek the Holy Spirit about whether you should be in a house church. If you're not, if you are, excellent. I think it's good. I mean, you know, and I know they're not for everybody. I get that. But I think the fellowship and the, 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 the time-building relationships is for everybody. 